Hey, we're so glad you're here. Take your Bible out if you have one. Uh, there's a one in the book rack tray in front of you there. Maybe you've got a tablet, smartphone. Let's go to Matthew 28 today. Matthew 28. We're nearing the end of this amazing study in the Gospel of Matthew. You know, two and a half years ago when I was charting out this entire series, I kind of got excited as I was going through the text realizing that it looked like we would come to the resurrection text on Easter Sunday of 2017. And I just, it was so far away, but I just, I couldn't wait for this day. And here we are. And this is, in fact, where Matthew wants to take us to. He's been all through this gospel leading up to this crescendo of Christ's death on the cross and then his resurrection on Sunday morning, that first day of the week. And we're going to look at that this morning from God's Word. If you have your Bible there, let's uh, follow along as I read, beginning in verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, where they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the, with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You were to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while you were asleep, while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money, did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. All right, we'll stop right there. This is God's Word, and we trust every word in it. The Gospels all tell the story of the resurrection, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I love Matthew's rendition because Matthew really is right to the point. There's no fuss, no business going on other than the fact that Jesus has risen from the grave. And this morning what I want to do in this text is I want to show us, I want to point out to you right out of the text what I believe are six amazing reminders that we need on today, a day like today, Resurrection Sunday, glorious celebration day, but not just on a day like today, but literally every single day of our lives. If you're taking notes, if you grab an outline coming in, you pull it out right now. Uh, if you on our Three Cross app, you can take notes there as well. Uh, these will be real easy. The learning cue is going to be the word up in each of these phrases, each of these six phrases, because Jesus was raised up, okay? So that's a little heads up on where we're going today. Let's look at the first little phrase here, what this text teaches us. I believe, first of all, this text teaches us that it's good to show up. Let's say that together. It's good to show up. 
verse 1, that all the gospel accounts show us that the first eyewitnesses of the resurrection were women. Can we hear it for the women? Yes. Now, there's a group of them. Matthew lists Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. Mark includes a woman named Salome. Luke just says there were a group of women. John focuses in on Mary Magdalene. But all the gospel letters, all the gospel accounts, as it comes to the resurrection, point out that the first people that were the eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection were women. And there's been a lot of scholarly work done on why did Jesus choose these women to be the first ones. Out of everybody that could have chosen, He chose these women to be the first ones to see His resurrected body. Why was that? Well, look, I, there's a lot of scholarship, a lot of to do about this, but I look at this a little more simply. You know what I think? I think the reason why these women were the first to see the resurrected Christ, are you ready for this? It's because they were there. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out. It could have been anybody, but these dear women, I've known women like this, women that are faithful, women that come, women that are just expecting something great, and so they show up. They don't even know exactly what's going to take place, but praise God for these women. You know, we miss out a lot when we, when we don't show up. On a Sunday like this, you know, uh, it's amazing to think about the way God uses this. Um, we had these productions these last week, this last week, and on Saturday, excuse me, yeah, Saturday, yesterday, this woman came up to me out in the lobby after the performance. She was just all bubbly and excited. She could hardly stop, you know, moving around. She said that I came Friday night, and I wasn't sure I was going to come, but I, I, you know, I was chickening out, but then I decided to come, and I wanted to bring a friend with me that wasn't a Christian, but I wasn't sure if it was going to connect with her, so I didn't, you know, I didn't get her to come, but I came Friday night, and it blew me away, and so I said, I have to bring her, so she went and forced this friend to come yesterday afternoon, <laughs> and that person came to know Christ yesterday afternoon, and so she was just like all excited saying, what I would have missed had I not shown up. You know, there's a lot of us that are missing out a lot of stuff in life just because we're not showing up. This applies to everything. Parenting, show up for your kids. My parents came to everything I did as a kid. There's something important about showing up, like we heard in James' story this morning. Loving his little daughter. Show up for your kids. Show up at work. You know, if you don't show up for work, you're going to have a problem too, right? It's good to show up. But when it comes to church, it's also good to show up. You know, sometimes people ask me the question, they're trying to get their spiritual legs under themselves. They're saying, like, what is the best thing I can do? Can you give me advice about what to do? And I'm a very simple person. I say, you know what? Start out with just showing up regularly. Just show up. Make it a priority to be here because you never know what God's going to do when you're here. You can't get what God does here on a podcast. But there's something about being here literally in this place that becomes powerful. Let's look at Hebrews 10.25. Let's read it out loud together. It's a great reminder to us. Ready? Here we go. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, the writer of Hebrews said that in the first century, wrote these words down, and it's interesting that, th that there were a lot of people that were in the habit of not showing up, and I think that that's true too. I mean, look around today. Look, by the way, you did what the, the ladies in this text did on Easter Sunday. Look at you. You showed up. Let's thank the Lord for everybody that showed up today. 
But here, let me give you a little hint. Keep showing up. You know, we did four services today because of all the people that want to come on Easter Sunday. And, you know, I always tease with my pastor friends, let's just do Easter every week. Wouldn't that be great? Let's just... And actually, that's what we do because every time we gather, we celebrate the Lord's presence, the fact that it's, He's the risen Christ, that we have life in Him, we worship Him. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So let's keep showing up. This is a great reminder for us today and every day. There's a second thing I see in verses 2 through 4. Not only it's good to show up, but don't be alarmed if there's a shake-up. Say those two words, shake-up. Now, did you notice in verse 2 there was a violent earthquake? Uh, the original language actually reveals that this templar is of mega proportion. The Greek word is literally megas. It's a word we get mega. It means giant, huge. But the origin of the earthquake is not in the belly of the earth, not in the plate tectonics, not in the movement of the crust of the earth. It's because an angel has been dispatched from heaven, and when that angel arrives, the earth starts to shake and rocks start to roll. And this is an amazing picture to us in a reminder that when God shows up, things start happening in our lives. And the guards, it says in verse 4, were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. You know, I'm amazed as I read that. I thought, well, gee, if they didn't know Christ, they were already dead. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that we were dead in our transgressions and sins, but He has made us alive together with Him. The million-dollar question is, is, are you dead or alive? Because there's a lot of dead, dead people walking around the earth. But when you come to know Christ, when He comes to live in your life, you become alive. And so here was this amazing reality where the angel comes and God is about to speak this truth and there's these guys that are sort of like, you know, face down. They, they are like dead men. And I'm reminded that sometimes in the circumstances of life, God wants to use the shakeups in our life to prepare us for the message that He has for us. Have you found that to be true in your life? Maybe you've been through a death of someone dear to you or a divorce or an addiction, or a loss, or a financial issue, or a health issue, or whatever it is. It's kind of like when we heard James' story this morning. He said that when he heard that he had stage 3 melanoma cancer, he became terrified. And if you looked up in the dictionary the word terrified, there would be his picture next to that word. That was very insightful to remind all of us that when the world starts shaking around us, a lot of us just fall apart. But listen to this. God often wants to use the shake-up in our lives to get our attention so that we can hear something powerful and profound and life-giving to us. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis was a great scholar, theologian, apologetic uh, of the last century, and he... he uh, he writes in this book, let's just, we'll put it on the screen, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So what C.S. Lewis is saying very insightfully there is a lot of us don't realize that when our lives feel like they're at the worst situation they can be, God may just be on the verge of doing something really powerful in revealing to us who he is. So if that's you today, if you feel like your life, you're standing in this violent earthquake of your life right now, uh, you, you should listen for what God wants to show you. And maybe even right here, he's going to show you that. It's good to show up and don't be alarmed at the shakeup. But that brings us to the third thing, and that is what we see in verses 5 and 6 with these women, how they respond. You can trust the one who's been raised up. Let's say those two words, raised up. Notice what he says. The angel says, do not be afraid. 
And this goes to anyone who's trembling in their earthquake experience. For I know what you are, that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Jesus, the crucified one, the angel says, is Jesus the risen one. And the angel wants these women to know and view Jesus as no longer dead but alive. That's the message. That's the important word. And when we get together today and every time we get together, we rehearse that same narrative in our lives that we come into a, uh, into a place where we worship the living God. We worship the risen Christ. We are not going through religious motions. We're not checking a box and just trying to keep ourselves in a better place in hopes that God will sort of, if, if there is a God out there somewhere, that he'll sort of smile on us when we die and we stand before him. No, that's not what we're doing. We're, we're worshiping the risen Christ and knowing that on his merit, on his risen life, by placing our faith and trust in him, we can have life too. And the difference is, is that Jesus is the only one that has come back from the grave. And that's what the angel is telling us. Jesus is the one and only. He conquers the grave. Muhammad the prophet died in 632 A.D. Buddha died in 483 B.C. Confucius died in 479 B.C. And every other religious founder and leader of every other either world religion or cult has died and stayed in the grave. But Jesus rose from the grave. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. None conquered death but Jesus alone, and that's why we worship him. And I like how the angel invites the women into a tour of the empty tomb. Come and see where he lay, they, he says. I love how some people have said in an argument that Jesus didn't really come back to life, that the disciples simply went to the wrong tomb. You know, they got the address wrong. <laughs> How silly that is, because if that's really the argument, all they would have had to do is go to the right tomb and see that Jesus was still there, right? So anyone that doubted that Jesus was alive would have said, look, you guys went to the wrong address. Let's go over here. Let's remember that this is where Jesus died. No. Jesus was laying in a tomb, and we also have to remind people that when the stone was rolled away, it wasn't so Jesus could get out. It was so that we could get in and see that he was gone, that he's alive, Praise God. Now, I'm sure that there was an increased sense of validity to the reality of Christ's resurrection when the tomb was uh, examined. But it was only later when the ladies and even the disciples met the living Christ that the proof of the claim that Jesus was alive actually came to be. The proof was there in the presence of Christ. If you harmonize all the gospel records and you dip into the book of Acts and also the book of 1 Corinthians you find that Jesus met with not less than 18 separate incidents, groups, and individuals over the course of his post-resurrection experiences. So for the person that doubts the resurrection, we have, we have written in Scripture 18 different accounts of eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Christ. And that's a beautiful thing for anyone who may be a skeptic. But what that tells me is, this is very important, if you're listening, listen carefully, it's good to have the objective truth of the Word of God saying that Christ is alive, but it's also great to have the subjective truth of experiencing the risen Christ. And that's what these ladies and the disciples experienced in that first week following Jesus' resurrection and all the way up to the 40 days before He ascended to His heavenly Father. 
I thought I'd do a little experiment with you this morning because there may be some of us here this morning that are skeptics. We don't believe, and that's great. We're glad you're here. But, you know, if you, if you believe that not only you believe the Scripture that Jesus rose from the grave, but you, through faith and repentance, have come into a relationship with this living Christ. You have heard His Word in your heart. You have met with Him. You've spent time with Him. There's been moments of, of beautiful joy in His presence. Uh, he is as real to you as your best friend. He is as real to you as the person you're hearing standing from the front right now. I am not a hologram. I am real. And if, if, if Jesus has been as real to you as the experience you're having with a friend or someone in your life right now today, I want us to give testimony to that by just standing to our feet. If that's you, if you've had that relationship with Christ, why don't you stand up and testify? And, and by the way, I want you to keep standing because this is where I'm going to get my selfie now, okay? <laughs> keep standing. Okay, everybody, everybody raise your hands, okay? Do something there so I can see. And I'm in the picture. Okay, hashtag Easter 2015. Thank you for that. Okay, sit down. Now listen. Listen, I'm excited. I'm excited that not everybody stood up right now. And I, I wrestled with whether I'd do this because I didn't want to embarrass anybody. But here's the reality. I'm excited that if you're here today and you've not yet come to know Jesus, that you're here, that you showed up. And I think we ought to all be excited about that too. That's right. And hopefully the testimony of a thousand of your new friends have just shown you that, that, uh, that Jesus really is real. That we're not just following the objective truth of Scripture, which is enough, but that we've had a personal encounter with the living Christ. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And by the way, as a little pastoral note here, I hope that the next time, if I ever do that again, I'm not sure when I'll do that again, but if I ever do that again, I hope the next time there will be a greater proportion of people who are not standing yet. Do you hear what I'm saying? That every week there ought to be more and more people coming in because we've invited them, compelled them, wanted them to come and to hear the great news of our risen Christ. And that this is a safe place for people to know about Him. It's good to show up. Don't be alarmed if there's a shakeup. Trust in the one who's been raised up. It's also, number four, it's also our job to speak up. Our job to speak up. Say those two words, speak up. Verses 7 and 8, the angel of the Lord quickly dispatches these eager women to go and tell. I've underlined in my Bible there, go and tell, go and tell, go and tell. And that's what they do. They go and tell the disciples. Luke's account of this whole thing tells us, Luke 24, 11, says that when the disciples heard the women speak, they thought the women were speaking nonsense. They just didn't believe. Our testimony of the living Christ will sometimes be met with a certain incredulity. Don't be shocked that people are not always receptive to our words of affirmation that Jesus is alive. But that should not slow our compelling desire to go and tell people who have yet to experience who Christ is. I, I was talking to a young lady yesterday who go, goes to our church, and she was saying, yeah, I was down here at Safeway, and I was trying to get this checker to, uh, to go to the Easter production. And, you know, I offered him the dates, and he said, no, 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 no. And he felt like he was just making excuses. So there in the line, she said, well, what about, to what about Easter Sunday? What about Easter Sunday? And so, you know, he was a little bit backed off, but he heard that there were all these service times, and, and so he said, okay, I'll go. Now, <laughs> maybe it was, you know, get through the line. You know, we've got people. But I thought it was so cool. I thought it was so cool that she kind of stayed with him and, and just kept giving him more options, you know, just like, hey, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or what about this? And he said, I'm going to be there. Now, maybe he was here today. Maybe you're that Safeway checker. You're in this service right now. Maybe you are. 
And I thought to myself, how, wouldn't it be awesome if whenever we left this hill, we would remember that we're going out into our mission field and that wherever we are, at the post office, at the store, at the bank, at the gym, wherever we are, we should have our antenna up that there's someone here that needs to be invited, someone needs to be told the great news that Christ is alive and that we can share that experience. And I want to be accountable to that and I want to ask you as parts, the people of this local body of believers to just see that everywhere we go, we have this opportunity, and let's not miss those opportunities. As a textual note here, I want to pull out. Did you notice that in all these accounts, the disciples were to be told to meet Jesus in Galilee? And if you look at all the gospel accounts, this is true. It's like the rendezvous place. Remember, this is all taking place in Jerusalem. The rendezvous place is Galilee, Way up north, 70 miles to the north. Why was it Galilee that Jesus wanted to meet his disciples? And a lot has been written about that, but I think the simple answer to that is found in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 9. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. What this is telling us, listen, Galilee was known for its wicked idolatry, its pagan idolatry. And isn't it interesting? It's like all the gospel writers wish to make clear that Jesus is for the whole world. Jesus is going to launch his ministry with his disciples as the resurrected Christ, calling all of them, which we'll learn next week. Don't forget to show up next week when we hear Jesus saying, go into all the world and, and baptize uh, every person in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and, and I am with you always. Go and make disciples of every single nation. It's like Jesus wants us to know that every place we go, every person we meet needs to know Christ. Listen, we worship here, but our desire and passion is that Christ would be worshiped everywhere, among every people group, among every community, locally and abroad. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's awesome. It's good to show up. Don't be alarmed at the shakeup. Trust in the one who's been raised up. It's our job to speak up. And I love this. This is so great. Anticipate that Jesus will show up. Say those two words. Show up. I love, look at verse 9. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said, and they came and clasped his feet and worshipped him. I love the fact he uses the word greeting. It's a, it's a natural word, charisete. Uh, it means to rejoice, to be of good cheer. It's like Jesus is saying, hey, I'm here. Everything is okay. I'm alive. Trust me. Has Jesus shown up for you? You know, sitting through this, these three services this morning, in each of these three services, there's been a, a moment where I just sense the presence of the Lord in a beautiful way. And in each of the services, they've been in different moments. But that's what Jesus does. He shows up. When I was actually preparing this sermon about a month ago or so, I was kind of going through a little rough patch. You know, we all go through times, right? And as I was studying this, and I came to that little phrase, suddenly Jesus met them. I can't explain it to you, but in that little study where I spent a lot of hours in the Word of God, I felt the presence of Jesus in such a powerful way. And I, and I just, honestly, it gets me emotional thinking about it. 
how in that moment all I wanted to do is just bow before him. There were tears. To experience the presence of Jesus, the, the living Christ, is such a blessing. And the beautiful thing is, we know He never leaves us or forsakes us. We go through every day. We should know that He's with us and we walk in faith that He's with us. But there are these moments where He sort of pulls back the curtain and, he, and I don't know how He does it, but He shows us that He's real and that He's alive and we can trust Him, just like He did here in this text. It's such a beautiful thing. And I hope that this morning that there's somebody here that experiences that same reality of the presence of Jesus. And by the way, do you, do you know how to know that you're in the presence of Jesus? In the real palpable presence, you know how you know you're in the presence of Jesus? All you want to do is worship Him. All you want to do is worship Him, which means you want to give Him everything in your life. You want to just be transparent before Him and confess anything that's not going right in your life and where you need His touch in your life and all these things. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Don't be afraid, Jesus said. I'm with you. It's good to show up. Don't be alarmed at the shakeup. Trust the one who's been raised up. It's our job to speak up. Trust Jesus will show up, and watch this, a little bit of a minor key at the end of this whole thing. Don't be surprised at the cover-up. You know, these guards, they go back to the chief priests, and they're like, da -da 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 -da. they can't even speak. And the chief priests, they're wringing their hands, what are we going to do? And they actually decide on the very thing that they didn't want to happen. If you look previous in Matthew 27, they said, post a guard because we don't want his disciples coming and stealing the body. So now they say, hey, I've got an idea. Let's just say the disciples came and stole the body. Very creative of them to come up with that. And then Matthew includes the fact that that's been circulated among the Jews ever since. You know, I got to thinking about that when I was thinking about us. I think the lie denouncing the lordship of Christ, the life of Christ, the joy of Christ, the peace of Christ, the lies that go along to denounce all of that, watch this, are still being circulated today. When people say, oh yeah, Jesus, he's great. I'm glad you worship Jesus. That's great. I've, I worship someone else because Jesus is great. He's just one of many. No. Jesus is one and only. There's no one like Jesus. And this morning, if you've come, if you showed up, he wanted to show himself to you. If you've never opened your heart to him, he wants to show himself to you right now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Oh, Lord, thank you for your love, Jesus. Thank you for your life, Jesus. Oh, Lord, for the person you brought today that needs a relationship with you, May they right where they sit right now cry out. Receive you as Lord and Savior. If that's you, my friend, I hope you'll right now reach to Christ. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never by faith received His love, repenting of sin, saying, Jesus, your way, not mine anymore. You're in charge of my life. Oh, man, it's a huge decision, but it's more than a decision. It's what God is revealing you must do to be saved. And if you find that there's no more excuse in your life, no more desire to run, but right here, right now, you would say, yes, Jesus. Pray this prayer quietly and silently right where you sit. 
Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me on that cross. I believe that you rose again from the grave. Right now, Jesus, through faith and repentance, I give you my life. Thank you for revealing yourself to me. Give me the grace to live for you. And God, for anyone who prayed that prayer, may they know, Lord, that you hear the prayer, you hear the heart of every person. And this morning, dear Jesus, for those of us that know you, we love you. And we want to tell the world what you mean to us. Give us grace and favor to keep telling the world, our world, our work, our neighbors, how good you are. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said,